Reach Young Adult Ministry Sermons Online from Tuesday, July 27, 2021 by guest speaker Sam Steele, entitled Christian Living from Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Hey everybody, if you don't know me, my name is Sam Steele. Um, we're in the second week of this two-part series, and if you were at Falls Creek or somewhere else last week, you missed it, but that is totally okay. Um, but we're focusing on a topic um, of unity and Christian living and within the church, how that looks. And um, today we're going to be in Colossians again, like we were last time in um, Colossians three twelve through 17. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning to that. That way when we get there, we're all ready. Um, but one thing I've learned about uh, my teaching style, and I'm still discovering so much of it, is that I happen to use words that that I don't use in normal conversations. Like last week, I used the word hefty twice. Never <laughs> used that word in my life. So <laughs> uh, if I say any weird words or something, just give me a face and I'll try and like clarify because when I can't find my words, I just use some complicated word that I don't need to. Um, but Colossians, um, to give you guys a background, last week we talked about um, that you have been raised with Christ, and that's what makes you different from this world. Because in first, sorry, in Colossians three, it says, "Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved." Um, sorry, that's this week's verse. Sorry, verse one says, "So if you have been raised with Christ, seek after the things above." So we talked about what it looks like to be seeking after the things of above and being different from this world, putting off the old nature, the old earthly self, and putting on a new nature. And so um, we also talked about putting away what makes you like the world and what makes us divided as a church. So last week we talked a lot, a lot about um, what causes division and we need to put off these things. We need to put to death what belongs to our earthly nature. And Paul went through some lists and, and we talked about what we need to put off. But this week our focus is going to be on where we go from there which is putting on the things of Christ and living in that way. So um, the context of Colossians, this is really bothering me. Um, It's written by the Apostle Paul, and it's written to the Colossian church or the church of Colossae. And um, it's during his first Roman imprisonment, which is during 80, 60, and that's a weird number, but it's at the beginning of the church. So we know that um, that number is very specific very um, important because um, this is a new church that is a majority Gentiles, Greeks, and very few Jews. So when he's talking about unity, um, it, it brings a, it helps us understand why he's talking about unity because he's talking to a divided church, to a church that's built up of different races in their culture and different um, people of, of cultural standing. And so um, he's, it, this was specifically right aloud to the church. So like I said last week, um, it's like if our homeboy Philip was up at Falls Creek and he, you know, was reading, uh, I read this to you because he sent us a letter. So it was read aloud to the church and he's challenging division and he's talking about Christian conduct in the proper way to live. And so with that context and, and what, um, Colossians is written for and the people that it's to, let's go ahead and jump right in. So let's read verses 12 through 13. It says this in Colossians three twelve through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Now, before we start, I want to make one thing clear. Um, Paul 
is he talks in run-ons and it's kind of complicated sometimes and those two verses were both one sentence and it's like he builds on top of another and uses a lot of different things the thing about the epistles and and what paul wrote is they're driven by verbs you're going to see like a lot of verbs today of things that he's referencing and sometimes it can get super complicated but my goal tonight is to show you guys what it means to put on unity as a church and how we are to apply that. So when he goes through all these verbs, uh, he's going to, to kind of make a list and then he's going to go specific. And so right here, he starts off with therefore. He says, therefore, in context of verses 1 through 11 of last week, being raised with Christ and putting off the old nature, he says, as God's chosen ones... And so this can be seen as those who have been obtained through Christ. That's a complicated way to say it. But what Paul is saying, as God's children, as chosen ones of Jesus, holy and dearly loved. He's saying you are you are beloved. You are, you are so loved and you are chosen to be loved. He says, put these things on. So he says, put on or put to heart. And so he's, he's calling away the church from what hinders unity. So let's go through this list real quick. He says, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So he says, put on, and that's a really important word. And we're going to focus on that this, in this first point, which is put on what unifies the church. It's put on what unifies the church. And he's contrasting what he said in verse 8 of this text when he said, put away these things. He said, put away Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language. And he, and he uses a lot of these lists. But I want to make one thing clear. When he's, when he's saying this list, he, he's calling us to use these five characteristics to stop us from hindering our unity. He's trying to get us as a church, as a body of Christ, and, and I want to challenge us as reach to be more unified. And so this list, he says, compassion. So what does this look like within the church? Let's go through each of these five things, and we're not going to complicate them because some of these are, are concepts we already understand. But compassion, which is being merciful or caring with an emotional connection. And then kindness is, is, is the way that we treat others in a gentle way. He says humility, in which is understanding your place and not exhibiting a proud or self, self-centered attitude. Or gentleness, which is putting on display meekness and living in a careful way. And while we're skimming over these very quickly, we also want to focus on one of these specifically, which is humility. Um, I think we often downgrade humility within the church. Um, We think that we can have all four of these characteristics. Oh, the last one, patience in there. We think that we can have all these things and not have humility and that we're good to go. And I want to challenge you that of all these things, and I think this is the hardest for myself and the hardest for us as a body of Christ is humility. We so often want to walk in a way that makes it about us. And, and honestly, church, this room, uh, it's about Jesus. It's not about you. You don't come in here to experience the you show. And it's not an experience in here. You're coming in here to be a part of the body of Christ and to learn together and to be able to worship our Savior together. And that's what it's all about. And we so often in our culture, in our me-driven culture, we see this with social media all the time that we created about us. Like, how, how, how good can I make myself look? How, how great can I be? Because if, if I can be great, then, like, my life will be great. But we all know that that's empty. 
And that's, that's pride. That's not humility. And so in that list, he's, he's, he's quickly skimming over these things. I want you to imagine Paul in prison sitting down and, and he's, he's having these thoughts and he's writing these down. Um, it's believed that some of these were scribed, but I, I, as far as I know, Colossians was written physically by Paul. And he's writing these things down. He's going through this list. He's going through these things. And then he continues on, and he wants to build upon this thought. He's saying, all of these things, I want you to put on these things so that you can be unified. But then he, he says to build on top of this, he's like, I want you to do these things, but also bear with one another. And, and I love this word bearing with because what Paul's really saying here is he's really saying hold up or, or sustain one another. And I love thinking of it in this way, of an, an analogy, because to be honest, definitions in, in the Greek is so complicated that it's easier just to explain it with an analogy. Think of a building and when a building is built, you have pillars or um, support beams and each of them supports one another that if, if one, so that if one falls, the others will hold it up. They're all together unified, holding the building up. I want you to think of, of the church and us as, that, as a building that each of us sustains one another, that together we create a building. But if it's just one pole that's standing straight up like this, you're just going to fall because you can't really hold that up easily. So think of it as that way. We're holding one another up. We're sustaining one another. And I, th- I think that's a very specific word to sustain and to hold up one another that we are we looking out for one another. And we're going we're gonna to focus on that in just a little bit as we talk about um, brotherly love. But... Paul is asking us to put on these things and, and fulfill our role as brothers and sisters in Christ. You have a role as a brother and sister in Christ to bear with one another. And, and he continues on. In addition to this, he says to also forgive one another. I, I love that he, he goes on in this second part of this sentence, say bear with one another and forgive one another. But he doesn't just say to tolerate or avoid talking about things. It's not a thing where it's like, well, I have this issue with this person and I think if I just like put it aside or something, it'll, it'll be fine and, and whatever. No, he, he's saying not to just tolerate it or avoid talking about it, but he says forgive any grievance. And I think that in order to understand what he's really saying, we have to look at the original um, language here that it's saying a complaint. He's not just saying you need to forgive the big thing. You, you need to forgive the oh, this person like did this really bad thing and I need to forgive them. No, he's saying this up to the smallest thing that we need to forgive one another. That's our job as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's our role. And so when he's calling us to put on all these things, this is one of them, to forgive one another. But he doesn't just say forgive one another. He gives us a why and a how. And so he says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. That's in the last part of verse 13. He says, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. So why? He says, because Jesus has forgiven us. Each of us has been given the same gift. And, and we can even see this in Ephesians as it talks about the gift that we're offered. But we talked about this last week, how each of us have been extended the same gift. And even though we know that the gift is extended to us, does it mean it's ours? It doesn't at all mean it's ours. That's why so many people in this world are lost is because you can even come across people that know that know Jesus and the gift of forgiveness that he gives them and he calls them to live for them, but they don't accept it. And he's saying, 
we've all been given that same gift. So ultimately, Jesus is the judge. We talk, it, it talks about that in James 5, as, as he talks about how we are not the judge, so we should not complain. We should not complain because we are not the judge. I think we so often think that we can accept Jesus' forgiveness and then we don't have to give other people forgiveness and it just works that way. That's not how it works at all. And we often decide to to basically like more forgiveness into our into our own selfish desire. But if if that same gift was given to each and every one of us, if each of you was forgiven from Jesus dying on that cross because we know each and every one of us is a sinner and that we deserve to die. We deserve to go to hell. We deserve to die. And I mean that in a very heavy light because Jesus forgave us. And it makes it that much more special that each of us has been forgiven. So why do we make it all about these little things and about, about this little forgiveness? But then he gives us a how. So I know we know why we need to forgive. We know why we need to do this. But how do we do this? He says, by being like Jesus. By being like Jesus. So forgiveness from Jesus forgave us of everything and held nothing back. He holds nothing back from us. He doesn't say, oh, you're partway forgiven. You get this partial forgiveness. No, he gives us complete forgiveness. And we are called to do that with one another. This doesn't mean that we give halfway or part, part, partial forgiveness to one another. My question to you is, are you hindering the unity of the church by only giving partial forgiveness to one another? To not even those in this room, but those as the big C church. We like to get so nitpicky on little things that we don't forgive one another. So we see in verse 12 and 13 that Paul first started off with a list of things that we need to put on. But now he's, he's going to build on this idea in putting on these things in a more specific light. And so the second point is forgiveness and love. So he says this in verse 14. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Pause. That's, that's just a quick sentence between there. And, and I love the way that it's kind of added in here. He finishes this list and then he adds this on, but it's very, he adds this on for a specific reason. He wants to put emphasis on it. He says above all. So he's encouraging us to make this number one. He's, he's saying, make this the most important thing. He's like, this is so important. So don't, don't lose this. He says, put on love. Put on love. He's repeating that word, put on. We're going to see that a couple times in here. But this love is known as agape love. And, and within scripture, we see a couple different types of love in the language. And this love actually means brotherly love. It means to choose to love as family. But in order to give this, to un- help you guys understand this, I want to do an analogy because I, I love analogies. And this lesson is full of those. So I thought I'd do like Fast and Furious and do like the family thing, but we're not going to do that. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to pull from my favorite, favorite movie, Big Hero 6. If you guys know the story of Big Hero 6, I love it. Oh my gosh, the storyline is so good. It's because Tadashi, his, you know, his brother dies. Sorry, Hero, Tadashi dies. 
I know this movie. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it by now, then I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> anyway, so here's brother Tadashi. He dies in a fire, and he's devastated. And he decides to go to this cool tech school in uh, San Francisco. So cool. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> so cool. <laughs> anyways, anyways, but these people they become his family, and in it there's like a whole moment, a whole scene where they're all like hugging and they're like. Or your family. And I know this sounds really cheesy, but we need to act that way as a church. Are we acting with brotherly love as family that, hey, you have an issue. You have this thing going on. Can I help you? Can I pray for you? I can't tell you how many times it frustrates me when, whenever people say they pray for me and then I really wish they would just pray for me in that moment. Because I feel like that's an easy way we can skim over things. Be like, I'll pray for you. All right, cool. See you later. But the truth is, are we treating each other as family? Each and every one of you in this room, we're family. If one of us has an issue, are we taking care of one another? Are we actually taking care of one another? That's so important. It, it, and Paul's reminding the Colossians this because, remember, they're Gentiles, Greeks, and Jews. You realize each and every one of us are different. I mean, God made you special. But it's true. And I know, I, I think I said that last week, but each and every one of us, we've grown up differently. Some of you have grown up in this state. Some of you have not grown up here. Some of you have gone to this church most of your life. There's quite a few of you in here that have not gone to this church most of your life. There's so many different walks of life. We have different jobs. So many different people, and we make up the body of Christ. <coughs> Bless you. And we are family even though we're all different. And Paul explains why it's so important that we put on this brotherly love or this love as we're family. It's because it's the perfect bond of unity. And this bond of unity is, is like being bound together. And I think this is so cool. When I, when I was studying this, this is it's like the best thing I learned. I love it. Is that whenever the Bible talks about being bound together, something that stuck out to me is that it's like a ligament. And, and I found this from, from, I was reading a study about this, about this chapter. And so this is not for me, but ligaments. That's a very fancy word that some of us have probably not heard since high school and crazy, um, I guess, sciencey stuff. I'm not a science person. So, but a ligament is bands of elastic tissue that connect literally and physically bone to bone. So you have a bone and another bone. And they're connected together with a ligament. It keeps them together. And a ligament has multiple functions. It gives purpose to motion. So a ligament makes sure that that I can't extend my elbow farther than this. It makes sure that my leg can't go like inverted in V. Basically, without ligaments, we'd be jello. Like, it'd be like, "Eh." Uh, But think about it. Ligaments help us move with purpose. Ligaments... Help my, whenever my brain tells my body to put my foot forward and move, the ligaments help me make sure that I'm doing things right. And they connect the bones together. And it stabilizes our joints. It it helps us be able to function the way we're supposed to function. But this is a direct metaphor to love within the church. Because love binds everything together. We have one person and another person. And it's bound together by that. By that. It's, It's that love it's so amazing. And the thing is, is, is Paul is emphasizing this, that 
It's the perfect bond of unity because he's saying you can put on this compassion, love, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You can put all these things, but without love, it's, it's nothing. It's just jello. When we look at 1 Corinthians 13, it says love is patient, love is kind. It, it, it talks about what love is, but then it continues on to say that, that of, the, of everything the most important is love. That unity comes from love. Without love, we miss the entire point. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I've given you all these things, but if you don't love, you're not even connected. How terrible is it? If we, if we try to be the church, we try to put on this compassion and all those things, but we don't even love one another. It just means you have good manners. That's it. It means you have good manners. Absolutely. That's perfect. <laughs> and so he continues on in verse 15. He says, and to build on top of this, every time he says, and Paul says, and quite a bit. And just keeps going on. But this is specifically to build on top of this point of the perfect bond of unity. He says, And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. So he, he's reminding them what they are continued to be called to. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And, and this is, he's not saying, Let the peace of Christ dominate you. Yeah. He's, he's saying, let the peace of Christ be what you live by and be your guide. And this practically looks, I, I like to think about this in a practical way, like the way you walk your daily life. Whenever you face adversity, whenever you go into work and something happens that you didn't plan, is your attitude that of peace in Christ, of faith in Christ, that I choose to have peace, I choose to trust Jesus. And I'm not saying we can't be overwhelmed because sometimes we can be overwhelmed, but the Bible specifically says in Psalms, that we will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports us with his hand. And that's a verse that I've had to memorize through this season of my life right now because I realize that I like to get myself all overwhelmed and I don't let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. And I, I like how it says let because it's not saying do these things, do these things, do these things, but it's saying allow it to. Choose to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It's a choice. And then on top of this, he says, and be thankful. It's just a quick three-word thing. It's really quick. But I like to think that Paul put this here for a very purposeful reason, which he did. But I just imagine him writing it and then being like, and be thankful. But he's saying, be thankful because Christ has transformed you. He's saying, don't forget that gift. He says, this is all a good thing to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to put on these things, to put on these things that are going to unify the church and to put on love. The most important thing that connects you. These are good things. So be thankful because thankfulness in turn promotes this unity together. It promotes the unity together. So after stating these things to put on, he encourages us to let this inward transformation affect the body of Christ. So as we move into these last two verses, we're going to look at that. So let's read this, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Once again, a really big sentence that we just have to pick apart. He encourages us to let the word of Christ dwell richly among us. So this is something that is collective. When he's saying you, he's not saying you as in singular. He's saying you as in plural. 
He's meaning you as the body of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell among you. Let God transform you. And this phrase, dwell richly, is actually two separate words in the original language. So it's actually backwards. It would be richly dwell. But richly is, is an adverb. And I know that I'm using really weird English talk. And I had forgotten what an adverb was before this. <laughs> Anyways, so when it's saying richly, it's saying abundantly. And then when it's saying dwell, it's saying something like influence. So if, you, if you're taking notes, write this down. Paul is saying, let the word of Christ abundantly influence abundantly influence he's meaning let it transform you let the word of christ transform you so this went from a responsibility for you to do now to a let this transform you you realize paul throughout all this has been saying all this list and put on love put on these things put off these things and put on these things and now he's saying now let it transform you let the word of christ transform you and and when he talks about with, within your teaching and admonishing, he's talking about discipleship. He's talking about, about our role with one another in the church. He's saying, let the word of Christ transform one another. And he says, he says this admonishing is to be done with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And you might be asking, why, why is Paul deciding to talk about songs and about music in the middle of this? Well, I'm here to tell you that songs... And these, these specific things that we're about to, about to talk about unify us so much. It's so amazing. Because I think we often think that in this room or, or even in that big auditorium, whether it's 600 people in there or 25 people in here, that we're worshiping and it's like just you. And I feel like we forget that there's others around us. We forget that there's unity in singing together that the posture of our heart is as one, as the body of Christ. And there's three different types. We're going we're gonna to go into what it really looks like to worship Jesus in just a second. But psalms are the singing of Scripture. And Philip has gone over this a little bit, but I want you to understand that there is a reason why we sing these songs that we sing. It's not like we're just going to sing a song that's Christian. It's not, we don't come in here and we choose our songs because they're Christian. We choose them because they fill in these credentials. They're either, they're either a song, a psalm, which is the singing of scripture. We can, we can go to psalms and we can find scripture in there. We can sing to it. We sing songs like we sing Psalm 46 or even Psalm 23. And then hymns are praising God for who he is. And I want you to understand something about hymns. We often think that hymns are like old or for old people, but that is not the truth at all. I used to think that, honestly. But the truth is, is, is that a hymn is a song that praises God for who he is. So Waymaker, we just sang that tonight. You are Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that is who you are. We're praising God for who he is. That's a hymn. We're praising God for who he is. And then spiritual songs. These are singing a testimony. And we see this in so many different songs like Yes, I Will, and we're talking about that we choose to praise and glorify the name above all names and to worship him in the lowest valleys. That's a testimony. And there's so many songs that, that point to how we can trust in God in hard times or in good times, and, and they, they sing a testimony. So that is what a spiritual song is. But here's what I want to stick out to you guys. Paul gives us a basis of singing to God that is found in gratitude. 
Because at the very end of verse 17, sorry, at the very end of verse 16, he says, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And that is so important because it should be our posture within worship. Worship is not about how you feel. Worship is not about how you don't feel. Worship is not an emotional experience. God is not an experience. We so often think that it's if we, man, I don't, I'm not really feeling it today. So I'm really not like, I don't know if I really want to worship God very much. The truth is that has nothing to do with it. It's the posture of your heart. How awesome is it if on your worst day or what you think is your worst day, if you worship Christ, that should not change the way that you worship him. He is the same God and he will never change. And we are called to have that posture of our heart because when we, each of us, each and every one of you, decide to let the posture of our heart be that of surrender to Jesus. And we sit here and we worship him for who he is. There's unity in that. So Paul is saying within the church, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you and worship him. Worship him together as one. Let that unite you. And I, and I know there's a lot of different things going on here in this text. But Paul keeps bringing it back to the fact that there's unity. And you have to put on these things. You need to choose to love and let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Let it transform you. Are you letting Jesus transform you? And he brings this all to a close in verse 17. He says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he's saying no matter what you do, no matter if it's something that you say, something that you speak, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he's not just saying this to say this. He's saying this in the context of everything we've just heard and everything he's just put ahead of us. He's reminded us to put on these things, to put on those five characteristics and then forgive one another and put on love on top of that. Be thankful and then let the word transform us. Let, let his word transform us. And he's saying all these things, whatever you do, to everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Be steadfast to who you are in Christ, striving after him. Unity is what God wants for his people. And the devil's going to do anything he can do to undermine that and mess us up. He's going to try and get us to be mad at one another. He's going to try and get us to think that we can't worship God because of where we're at. But the things that have been listed above in these verses are an exhortation of living for Christ. And through this lifestyle, we are bringing unity and thanking God through Jesus. So I want to challenge you tonight. We talked last week about putting things off and, and putting to death our earthly nature and putting on this new nature since we have been chosen in Christ. My challenge to you is, are you putting on these things? Are you choosing to be compassionate, kind, have humility, be gentle, and be patient? Are we holding each other up and supporting one another and forgiving one another? And all these things, all these things that Paul keeps talking about are useless without love. So, put on what unites the church. And forgive one another. Put on love. 
and let the word transform you. I think it kind of all ties back to one simple thing. Abiding. When we talk about the word transforming us with all of this, unity starts with you and you're abiding with Christ. Are you living for him every day in a way that you talk to him and, and you choose to make him number one? Or are you just trying to seek after unity when you're in a church building? Because then you're just doing it wrong. Life happens outside of the church building itself. It happens out there. Are we letting it transform us and are we abiding? Are we having that love of a family? So that's my challenge to you today. Let that agape love overflow out of you this week. Love one another. And seek to build each other up so that we can love in you. this episode of the reach podcast please be sure and like and subscribe to our content you can find us on spotify itunes and wherever you find your favorite podcasts also you can find us on social media by searching for reach.tulsa find us on our website evergreenbc.org forward slash reach i also want to invite you to come be a part of our community we meet every tuesday night at 6 30 at evergreen church in south tulsa on 111th street just east of mingo god is moving in the lives of young adults all across the world he has something for you so don't miss out